Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. It's another season of the Hope podcast, and we are starting strong. My name is Lena Abujamra, and I'm your host. I am so glad that you guys came back and uh, uh, that you're tuning in today, especially. As you know, every week or so, we invite a friend on this uh, show, and we talk about hope. We talk about how people tend to lose their hope, how to get it back, how to keep it for good. And so often we get uh, people that are just role models in this life. And today's guest really is a legend. She is the real thing. She's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. And I believe, I think she's written about 635 books and spoken to about 500 million people in her lifetime. (laughs) But more importantly, Kay Arthur knows and loves Jesus. And I believe she would say that the best thing about her life is that she is known and loved by Jesus. Anyway, she is the founder of Precept Ministries, and I just consider it such a blessing to have you with us today, Kay. How are you? I am doing just fine, Lena, especially, you know what? The other day, I caught you on Moody Radio. I, the only time I listen to radio is when I get in the car, you know. Hmm. But that's my friend. And I remember sitting around a table in Chicago and just being having so much fun with you because we both love Jesus. Oh, I remember that day. We were here and uh, heard you speak and just proclaim God's word. And one of the most, uh, just one of the biggest blessings that I've had with you speaking, Kay, is that you make no apology for speaking for 90 minutes, nine zero. Right. This is your thing. And you, you, know, like, you take it or you don't. And people in this day and age are so focused on getting through things quickly, but it takes time to get into God's word, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, you know, I love what Moses said after he gave them the song that they were to sing and remember where it, what says, you know, that he wounds, he heals, he kills, he makes alive. He used to, mm-hmm. does all these things. And then then Moses turns to him and he looks at him and he says, these words are your life. And I mm-hmm. think this is my life. You know, it's it's what I live by. It's and I, and I think, Lord. There's just so much to know. And the more I know about God, the more I'm relaxed about what's happening in our world, because I know where we're headed. I know the basics of what I'm to do, uh, you know, and and so uh, that knowledge grounds me, you know, and Peter, he when he knew that he was going, it was his last letter and he was going to be. Um, I don't know if he knew he was going to be crucified upside down, but he knew that he was about to die, that the time of his departure had come. And he was saying that that God has given us in his word everything, everything that mm. leads to life and godliness. So any issue of life, the answer's in the book. And I think I just want people all over the world to know who he is. Well, and you've been doing it for some time, and you're still going strong in that. I hear every time I talk to anyone who knows you. I recently talked with Jan Silvius. We had our guest here, and and you're just going strong. But maybe we can rewind a little bit for people who don't know you as much and are listening. Uh, You've been a Christian for some time, but your story at the beginning, you did not grow up in a Christian home. So tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus. Okay, well, I I grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home. But it wasn't the Christian home like like we know as described in the Word of God. And my uh, father eventually became an Episcopal priest. And so I had that fear of God. I had that orientation to church. And that was where my social life was and and that. But uh, uh, I, I didn't 
really know him. I, I had, I tried to read the word of God and it was boring, you know, and, uh, and nobody was really urging me to read it anyway, because I had been baptized and they told me I became a child of God when I was baptized. And when I was confirmed, they told me I received the Holy Spirit. Well, after I became a Christian, I saw that you couldn't be a Christian without receiving the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. baptism didn't do it and neither did the confirmation. I, I was married at the age of 20, happily married. Uh, that's all I wanted uh, was to be married, to have a husband and children and family and enjoy life and belong to a country club. We <laughs> 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 can't belong to a country club, but anyway, or my well-off aunt and, and that. So uh, I went to uh, nurse. I went into nursing at 17, and then I graduated when I was 20. And I was a cheerleader for Case Institute of Technology, which was an all-male engineering school at the time. That's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah, it is a good strategy. And so I was a cheerleader for them. And I dated a lot of guys, and I kept myself pure, you know, because I determined I was going to be a virgin when I walked the aisle. Not because I knew the word of God, but simply because nice girls saved themselves. You know, it's a whole different culture now. I just finished teaching at three boot camps that we have for teenagers that come from all over the United States. And we studied the book of Judges, you know, where every man did what was right in their own eyes because there was no judge in Israel. But I had that. I had that. So I was keeping myself. So I got married to Tom, and he was an outstanding athlete. He had been offered contracts, the Pirates, the Indians, to pitch ball for him. He was voted most likely to succeed in his prep school. He liked great in a white dinner jacket, mm. and uh, and he knew how to buy nice presents. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're looking for in a husband, right? <laughs> yeah, and when, and when we were married— you know, we talk, I mean, when we were dating, we talked about God, you know, so God was, I was aware of God. I thought I was a Christian and, but like I tell people, and I'm sure they've heard it before, sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car any more than sitting in a church makes you Christian. Hmm. So anyway, uh, that marriage lasted for two sons and six years. And my husband was bipolar and I didn't know it. And so on our honeymoon in Bermuda in this beautiful setting, he sat me down and he said, you are now Mrs. Frank Thomas Getz Jr. And these are the things I don't like about you and I want them changed. Oh, my. And I thought, I felt trapped, Lena. I felt like I was like I was a little kitten and a ferocious dog was, you know, and I'm not talking about ferocious by so many women that are being physically abused. Hmm you know, which should not be allowed. But anyway, uh, so I I wasn't physically abused in in any way. But uh, I just, one day I turned around to him and I said, that's it, it's over. And well, I tried to get him to go for counseling. And he had studied at uh, Virginia Theological Seminary. He was, uh, you divorced him, you told him you wanted a divorce. Yeah, yeah. But but before that, I asked him to go to counseling, and he said, I've already gone in seminary, you go. So mm. this is my point, I went to two different men. Both of them were uh, in our faith. Neither one of both of them were pastors. Neither one of them opened the Bible. Wow. Not explained to me 
from Genesis all the way what marriage was all about and how sacred it was and how two become one flesh and what God has joined together, let no man, you know, drive asunder. And so they didn't do that. And one of them came on to me, wow. did everything short of going all the way with that man. Hmm. And I tell people, you know, uh, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay. And it will cost you more than you would ever expect to pay. That's what that's what happened to me. I was uh, I was brokenhearted. I stood in the living room of my home. Uh, I had gotten a condo and I had gotten a job as a nurse. And I shook my fist in the face of God, literally. And I said, to hell with you. I'm going to find someone to love me. I wanted to be loved, whether I was pretty, pretty sick or uh, well, in a good mood or in a bad mood. I wanted somebody that would look at me and say, you know, I know all about you and I still love you. And that's what I wanted. And that's what I searched for. And I went out and became what I never thought I would ever become. And that's an immoral woman. And I went from one man to another man to another man, like the country singer said, looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. By the time uh, I ended up having an affair, when I met the man, I didn't know he was married. When I found out, I didn't care because I loved him so much. Then I found out his wife was pregnant with her sixth child. Wow. It, and and it began, I, I thought, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. But like Paul said, the good that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And the evil I didn't want to do, I did. Oh, wretched man, wretched woman that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Because I was totally dominated by my body. I was dominated by a mind that didn't know truth. I was dominated by a desire that was inflamed by the movies that I saw and the, you know, the, the wonderful old black and white movies and that. <laughs> I remember uh, one movie, they thought about banning it because her dress was off of her shoulder and she kissed too long. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that was censorship in those days. <laughs> and I would look at these hot Ozzie and Harriet and these other sitcoms and movies. And I'd think, I'm never going to have twin beds. I'm going to have a double bed, you know. Yeah. As the laws were, you couldn't show even a husband and wife in the same bed. Wow. So far, far away. But I had that propensity towards that sexuality and and thinking that it was all wrapped up in that. And so uh, one day I worked at Johns Hopkins by now and I was on a research team and I called the doctor and I said, I can't come to work, Dr. Cheek. I'm just sick and I'll see you on Monday. And I turned around and looked at my son, my younger one of the two. And I said, Mark, honey, mommy's got to be by herself. Will you please let me be alone just for a minute? And I ran upstairs and I fell down beside my bed on my knees. And I cried out to God, God, I don't care what you do to me. I don't care if I never see another man as long as I live. I don't care if you paralyze me from the neck down. I don't care what you do to my two sons. This, these were the three worst things I could think of that could happen to me. And I said, if you'll just give me peace. And wow. he gave me Prince of, Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, right there on my knees. 
And I went down a harlot and I got up, you know, a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, I didn't know that. But somebody, God sent me a young man to date that knew the word of God. And so he brought me a Phillips translation of the New Testament. And so I was reading in Romans. How I got there, I don't know. I know it was God. And I came across this verse, Lena, and it says, and he called her beloved, beloved, when there was nothing lovely about her. Wow. thought, God, that's me. That's me. You called me beloved when there was nothing lovely about me. And uh, I would be so hungry for the word that I would prop, you know, I was a working mother and I'd prop the Bible on the steering wheel going to work. <laughs> That's the equivalent of texting and driving, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I would read, you know, a, a little bit until the light changed. And I came across 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man, any woman be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. She's a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And I thought, God, that's me. I'm a new creation. God sent this young man, like I told you, that was the Christian. And I remember one night he took me to, um, to a little, I think it was a Presbyterian church. I don't know. But anyway, there were so few people. We went downstairs to the chapel or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they asked the pastor, uh, the minister, asked if someone would read Luke, you know, the passage in Luke. And nobody volunteered. And I just felt mortified for that poor man. <laughs> so I said, I will. So I go up, you know, to the pulpit. And there's the Bible, and I'm reading about the woman who, uh, you know, uh, comes in and washes Jesus' feet mm. with her hair and that. And the Pharisee is sitting there talking, thinking he doesn't know what kind of woman this is, you know, and she's washing the feet. She's a sinner. And, um, and then Jesus talks to him, but he turns to the woman and he says, now I'm reading this out loud. I've never read it before in my life. So I'm reading there. I'm standing in front of these few people in this church basement. And it says, Jesus said, for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he is forgiven, loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. I just broke down crying. Yeah. I, my sins are forgiven. And if people could realize that. Sin is so terribly costly. It's so terribly self-destructive. And and you can't, it keeps you from God. You know, and, and people say, well, I don't like what I know about God. Well, that's because you haven't read the book all the way through. That's because you haven't started at the beginning. That's because you don't know God. Daniel 1132B is, B, is one of my favorite verses. And it says, but the people who know their God will be able to stand firm and take action, not just stand there. But when, when you came to Christ in that time, did your desire, like, did you see a massive transformation right away where you stopped wanting to go out with the guys, do, or was it a battle? No, it was a battle. Yeah. But, you know, the, there's sin is always a battle. 
and we uh, the Satan is the prince of this world and and uh, he desires to control us and Jesus turned to the religious leaders of those days and he said you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father he was a murderer from the beginning and he abides not in the truth and he's a liar there's no truth in him and so this is satan so he's he's present but the thing is i have now the holy spirit living inside of me my body that was, you know, shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? My Bible, which was used as the members of a harlot and anyone that's listening, if you're having sex outside of marriage, you're like the harlot, you know. And and uh, should I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? He says, God forbid. And then he tells us, what, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. It took the death and burial of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to set us free from sin. That's the Son of God. God so loved us. He so loved the world in all of its sinful condition, living under the prince of the power of the air. The whole world lies under the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the power of Satan. But what, you know, what uh, my no. friend, today it's interesting, Kay. I had a conversation with one of my friends from college who was really one of my closest friends in college. And she had an interesting experience where she's now not walking in faith. And what she told me today, what changed her from her path of being in faith, was the opposite of your story. It was her divorce where she felt completely um, that God was not there for her. And whereas when your story, you hear like where that was the point where you kind of came to God from work and said, God, I just want peace. You know, what do you think it is that drives one person towards God versus away from God? Do you think this is all just God's doing? I mean, we're seeing so many now Christians this week. You know, we've heard about Joshua Harris's faith. Is, oh, I just heard. Yeah. Oh. So, so how is it that sometimes tragedy can cause one person to turn to God versus away from God? I think that it's uh, our lack of knowledge of God. I think we don't understand God. I think we want God as our bellboy or as our uh, houseboy, you know, to to do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. Right. But just, I would, Jesus said this, it's recorded in Matthew chapter four, and he's being tempted by the devil who is the prince of the power of the air, who is the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, who the whole world lies in his power for right now. And God has allowed that. God has given him that power. He's allowed it. And we we are, um, so Jesus said in Matthew chapter four, when he was being tempted, he says, it is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And mm-hmm. is I would, I've been asking Christians where I've been speaking or uh, the audience, whether they're Christians or not, God knows, but I've been asking them how many books are in the Bible. And they say yeah. 66. And I say, how many books do you know of those 66? See, if I live by every word that comes out of the mouth, every word that comes out of the mouth of God starts in Genesis 1 and it goes through the end of Revelation 22. 
That's my bread. That's my life. That's my answer for any given situation. If I sin, I go to the word of God. If I'm tempted, I go to the word of God. If I am uh, confused, I go to the word of God. Excuse me. I live by the word. Moses said, it's my life, you know. Yeah. When did you recognize in your life this gift of teaching and started, you know, gathering women and teaching them and and grow in this? Like, tell us more about that journey. Okay, because it's quite a journey. And I think that that we need to understand it. I think there are so many women that are ambitious Mm -hmm. and they're ambitious for leadership and for power and for money and for whatever. And there are some that have just been brutalized in their poverty. And mm. the reason, the thing is, when I get saved, if I well, first of all, let me just say this. I've been reading the Word of God since I got saved. And then uh, I got married to Jack. God told me I was going to marry him. And I married him when we went to Mexico as missionaries. I started leading cry- kids to Christ that could speak English. Wow. And and, um, and so then I said, okay, to one of the other groups of missionaries, you need to teach them. They wouldn't teach them. And I said, wow. I don't know how to teach them, but I will teach them if you will show me how. And so I sent away for some books and it was Bible studies like Jesus was a man and he got hungry. Look up this verse and you find him eating and look up this verse and you find him sleeping and stuff like this. And the blank, ugh couldn't stand it. So I got in the book of Romans and I just started in Romans chapter one and started studying it and teaching it. I think many times, each one of us, when we get saved, we're placed in the body according to God's desire. We're given the gifts that we need because he chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And not only did he choose us in in Christ Jesus, but he foreordained the good works for us to walk in. He has a plan for every believer. He has a purpose. He has a path for us to go. But it is all based on the Word of God. The problem today is we're reading books about the Word of God. Right. We're listening to testimonies that are exciting of healing or prosperity or some, some perversion of truth many, many times. And we're listening to those and we want it and we want to be on Facebook and we want to be liked and we want to have thousands following us, but we don't have time for the word of God. Right. And and what we have is we have a church in the United States that's literally falling apart. And right. You know it. You've experienced some of it. And, right. and that's because we're so busy. We've entangled ourselves with the affairs of this life and we have forgotten that he has called us to be a soldier and no soldier on active duty. We're on active duty and we've got to be aware of all that's going on. And the way that you're aware of it is not through listening to the news or that it's through knowing the word of God. And I can tell you, you know, that, that we better wake up in America because God is going to um, shake the things that can be shaken. Right. He is shaking those things. Yes, right yeah. Now. I mean, yeah. Everyone watching and seeing it. Well, it's interesting because yeah. So just to go back, so like, so you started teaching yeah. because there was a need, and you yes. just got yeah. these open doors. Yes, yes, and I think that's many times the way and uh, uh, your gifts are discovered. 
And we have a Bible study on spiritual gifts so that you know what they are. We don't tell you to take a test. That makes me mad because if that you knew, God would have put it in the Word of God. So right. anyway, so um, but that I so I moved into my gift, not realizing I even had a spiritual gift. You know, I just saw yeah. and I told God I was available and He would have to help me, and He did. So I met married Jack, who was a seasoned missionary. We go to Mexico. We're in Mexico for three and a half years. I'm doing, I'm studying the word of God. You know, I'm going through Romans and studying and I'm teaching these teenagers. I get uh, pericarditis. We have to leave uh, Mexico and come home because of this infection and the lining of my heart. And I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking I'm a failure. We need men on the mission field. There's more women than men. We need men on the mission field. And I brought home a seasoned missionary. This is when God taught me a marvelous lesson. In fact, two people just told me that my book is silver refined, two separate people in two separate situations has helped them so much. It's called a silver refined learning to embrace life's disappointments. And so the way you refine silver is you put it in a crucible, you melt it in this, you know, the, um, impurities come to the top, you scrape them off, and you know that it's all gone and it's pure silver when you can look in it and see a perfect image of yourself. It's like a mirror, you know, and uh, so with the silver on uh, glass with the silver on the back. So anyway, so I'm home, I'm broken in health. I have a new son, uh, David, who's now the C, uh, the president and CEO of Precept Ministries International. But anyway, yeah. So I come home and um, one morning I'm just wailing, you know, before God and and what I've done and stuff like this and leaving the mission field because all I wanted to do was reach the world. And that's all. But anyway, and so I roll out of bed and God reminds me that disappointment is his appointment. You drop the D and you put in an H And then you give space between his appointment and he will lead you step by step because we have been chosen by God. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, what God has purposed will surely come to pass. What God ordained will, uh, I mean, uh, what has come to, uh, what God has purpose has come to pass. But so, but so you got a confidence in your soul at that point. You knew like God is in control. Something's going to change. Or you just figured I'll just do the next thing in my life. Like what was your, I mean, look at where that was and where you are today. Like you never had a big plan no. to start ministry, did you? Never. No, no, never did I. Uh, okay. Let, I got the verse. Uh, it's in my memory. Okay. Purpose will surely come to pass. What God has planned. Listen, no man can thwart. What Amen. his plan, no man can thwart. God is God. And so, um, you know, I, I just started and uh, they knew I'd been teaching teenagers. They asked me to teach. Fifteen teens showed up. That In, in uh, Tennessee, back home then? Tennessee, in my house. And David's, oh, wow. high, chair, David's high chair was my podium. <laughs> and so, and they would bring their Bibles. And then one day I was driving down the street. I'm from the north, not the south. And I'm driving down the street and I see these big signs at Baptist churches that are saying vacation Bible school. 
And I look at it and I see, oh, it lasts for six days. Oh, it's this time to this time. I could do one of those. So I come back and I tell the teenagers, look, I'm going to do a little school for you. And it's going to be three hours of night uh, every evening for one week. And uh, you're going to get tested and uh, you're going to have three courses. And uh, if 15 of you, no, if five of you promise me you'll come, I'll do it. Because we had we started out with 15 and it had grown a little bit. And listen, the first night, 20 came. Wow. Then 30 some. And that was the beginning of our student ministry. And those kids would come and they got too many for the house. So we were sitting on the hillside in my front stoop, which was just a cement piece of cement, had the blackboard on it, and I'm teaching, you know, and they're laying uphill because it's, <laughs> you know, their feet are down, their heads are up. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them, one day I'm going to teach them what the Bible has to say about sex. And then we could not no longer get in. I mean, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) So we did that. And so it began to grow. Then we thought, you know, people were were hearing rumors of people out in the West Coast and how they couldn't have Bible studies in their home anymore. And we thought we need a piece of property. So God laid a farm on my heart. Just the word farm. This is in coffee house days. It was the coffee house that was a trend, not the farm, but God laid on my heart farm. And through a set of divine circumstances, we found the property that I'm broadcasting this with you, uh, 32 acres. We didn't have the money. God provided the money for the down payment just in a miraculous way. And, And, you know, but testing our faith right up to the last day. The last day we got the final amount of money that we needed. And it's just story after story. Well, then I, uh, so then I am teaching a woman's Bible study, five women around a kitchen table that starts to grow. Then I'm invited by the Dean of, of uh, students or somebody on the UTC campus to come to his house and teach at the university level. And those kids are coming And then the husbands say to their wives, we want to hear what you're hearing. You know, we want to study what you're studying. Mm -hmm. So they come. I'm just lecturing them. But then God lays on my heart to write Bible studies. I'm invited to Atlanta. I take a class in Atlanta. And um, and I, I, I say to the women, you know, you're coming, you're sitting, you're listening to me. Do any of you want to learn how to study the Bible? And a small group said, yes. And I said, will you make a sandwich for me? And um, Mm. I'll teach you how to study the Bible. So that's (laughs) the way it started. Now we're in 185 countries and we're in 83 languages. Where did you learn the precept model? Where did I, what? Like how did it, yeah, the prince, the way that you teach precepts. So in teaching them how to teach, was it something you just, like the Lord just gave you or was this a technique? You know what I mean? Like how did that come about? Well, um, I got, um, let's see, Irving Jensen wrote a book called Independent Bible Study. And when I was on the mission field, someone sent me that book, Independent Bible Study. So I started studying. Then I heard some tapes and this guy was talking about the Greek syntax of the word. I thought, I don't even know what that is. And I looked it up and then I found out about a concordance 
And uh, because I couldn't find a verse and Jack couldn't remember where it was. And we asked one of the missionaries when we were at his house and he said, just a minute. And he came out with a Strong's Concordance. And I said, where did you get this? You know, because it has every word in the Bible's catalog. You can find it and you can know where it's used. So God began to do things like this. I learned about the tenses of Greek verbs and the difference it meant, all studying just on my own. and uh, yeah. But studying, you know, these good, good writings. And then the kids wanted to, um, they needed a Bible study. So I, I thought, okay, I'll teach them. Uh, someone said, get in a book and just start and go all the way to the end. So I got in the book. So I got in Romans, you know, and I started. You started with an easy yeah. one. It's the constitution <laughs> of our faith. That's what he started me with. Isn't that exciting? Right. Isn't that exciting? And then just the sovereignty of God, I went and spoke at the uh, International School of Missions for Campus Crusade. And I had started writing these inductive Bible study courses. And, um, and I had maybe five of them written. And I went and I was speaking at Crusade, and then I was speaking to the women afterwards and everything. And I gave an illustration that's shocking physically, and and that it's just a shocking, you know, so yeah. illustration of the the screaming of torture that uh, that was going on in Rome in uh, Romania. And when I finished, this woman came up to me and she said, "The by the way, she had received an uh, an evangelism award from." Um, um, you know, from, from the school, from yeah. Campus Crusade. And so um, anyway, so she comes up to me and she said in broken English, what you're saying is true, but these women don't believe you. I looked at her and I said, how do you know it's true? And she said, because I'm from Romania. And I don't remember this, but she said, I grabbed her, put my arms around her and said, bless your heart. You can go to Romania for me. I wanted mm -hmm. to go to Romania because they were under communism. All these people that are getting excited about socialism don't know where they're headed, you know. But anyway, yeah. so um, she uh, had gone to the table. She had seen those books. She was looking for a woman's Bible study, and she didn't like anything that she saw. It wasn't what she really wanted. And she looked through that book, and she prayed, Lord, you know I don't have any money. But would you tell this woman to give me one of these books? Wow. So I'm saying, you can go to Romania for me. Here. And I gave her every book on the table, you know, four, five, whatever they were. And then I said, you know, we're doing a study program. We don't have any money. But if you can get out here, we can house you and feed you and we can teach you this method, you know, and then you can translate this wow. into Romanian. And that's where... God just started our international ministry. That's incredible. I mean, when you think about that, I mean, sometimes you hear stories like this and it's so inspiring and you kind of think like, wow, every door after a door that's open, I'm part of a writer's group and I've seen so many comments lately of women who are discouraged because they know their gifts, they're trying to practice them, but like they'll see roadblocks or, you know, a lot of like the writers with publishers, like they don't have enough platforms. So on one hand is this like, you know, against ambition. On the other hand, it's like you can't even do anything. Sometimes it feels like if you're not growing and like, what would you tell that person who's like hungering to be used in their giftedness, but stressed that maybe things aren't going as 
smoothly as maybe the story that you tell yeah. about your life, which I'm sure is just the highlights. I mean, I'm sure you went through a lot of opposition, well, but yeah. encourage us at that. You know, one of the things I, I'm, I'm very concerned about women today, and I'm very uh-huh. concerned about um, their leaving the home. I'm very concerned about the the absence from the home and the culture it has created. I'm very concerned because we are so busy, we are exhausted, and uh, and a, a woman knows because God made her a woman. He made us male. He made us female. We are distinctively different. There are only two genders, and we are one or the other. And God is the one that determined it. And we can do all the surgery we want to and take all the hormones we want to, but it doesn't change our DNA. We're either male or female. God has a role for the man. God has a role for the woman. I think today a lot of people want to be a star. They want to write a book. They want to have it read. They want to be on TV. They want to get, I don't know, a whole bunch of on on that because we think that's it. But they're not in the word. So what are they going to say? They're going to say their own thing. They're going to entertain or they're going to tell their testimony over and over and over again, you know. Uh, But we've we're, we've missed knowing God. We've missed, you know, the way you know God is to know his word. The way you know God then is to take his word that you know and apply it to any situation of your life. Because live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so I would say to the women, put aside your ambitions and make pleasing God your ambition. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, I have as my ambition, whether in the body or out of the body, to be pleasing to the Lord. And I think if we would just stop and please the Lord, and if we would understand that it's not only given unto us to believe in Jesus Christ, as Philippians 1 says, but also to suffer for his name's sake. We don't want to suffer. We want to be popular. We want our names and, and it's a temptation, you know, um, when my, uh, I'm not popular anymore and it's fine with me because I'm, I'm pleasing God, you know, and doing, I'm overseas, you know, in Albania and, and uh, in um, um, Bulgaria and Romania and Russia and all these places teaching the word of God. So I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit. So my responsibility is to know his word, to study, to show myself approved unto him, to let it be my present and ever um, my, my direction in every situation. And I'm to walk in the way he says walk. And so I think that these women that, you know, they want to be, I want to be, I want to be. All I wanted to do is 2 Corinthians 5 says, Verse nine, you know, I want to be pleasing to him in whether in my body or out of my body, whether I'm alive or whether I've stepped into eternity. I want to please him. Do you still have a morning routine with the Lord or what, what's your quiet Yes, I life? have a morning routine with the Lord, but it's not always exactly the way I want it because I'll get interruptions. But I and now I'm alone, you know, so uh, but I get up. And I have, my bedroom is a very beautiful bedroom sitting area with a fireplace in it. And I have my books and I have my Bible and I have my colored pencils. I have my footstool 
and uh, you know, my eye drops. <laughs> how do you how do you decide what to read next? Like you've read the word so many times now. Like you just go through the Bible every no, year. No, I've your... never, I've never how... read the Bible straight through. Really, really? I have. I've I've read book by book, you know, and so written yeah, inductive yeah. study courses. And this is the other thing: women want Bible study quick, light, and easy, and entertaining. You know, right. and and that's not going to hold you when the trials, when God's going to shake the things that can be shaken. He's going to shake America because we cannot we cannot continue to abort babies. We cannot continue to say that we're genderless. We cannot continue to call sin, sin. You know, I was thinking, you know, we're upset about homosexuality. We should be upset about immorality, immorality. I mean, whatever form it takes we should be upset about it. Do you think the church, the Christians, I mean, I can understand a culture that's uh, confused about these things, but I, f- I find more and more churches are confused yeah. about, like, it seems like what's happening You're right. there. They are confused. And it's because they have become politically correct. You know, and they don't understand that love, you know, true love tells a person when they're wrong, you know, and, True love punishes sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for me and you and the whole world. He paid for all of our sins. He was separated from God. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God forsook him because the wages of sin is death and death is separation from God. But his payment satisfied for all of our sins, and God raised him from the dead, never to die again. We have an American Christianity that makes me sick. This morning in my quiet time, I get up and I, I read the Bible according to whatever God's laying on my heart. And I've been wanting to get into Jeremiah because I believe God has a message for America in Jeremiah. And because we need to understand what God's going to do with the nations. And uh, so I started in Jeremiah this morning. I got, I looked at my uh, emails and I got three reports from what's going on in these different countries. I cannot measure, me, um, mention them because people are paying great prices. They're living hmm. in constant right. threat of their lives if they get caught in that, and yet they persist. And I just wept for those people. And then I prayed for those people. And then I have, like Open Doors has a thing of the top, I forget how many, the worst places in the country where the persecution is going on. And so I read that and then I pray for those people and that I'm a prayer warrior I would like to be, but I'm making progress. <laughs> you, you got time to get better. Now, listen, what's your biggest regret in life, Kay? Um, I think that uh, I think it's not praying more. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 what's the best decision you've ever made, apart from giving your life to the Lord? Well, I think my best decision is every time I say to him, I'll say it to him in the morning or I'll say it to him, Lord, my body's your temple. You lead me, you guide me, you direct me, you know, and it's so exciting. I mean, it's so exciting to pray that way. Fill me with your spirit. You know, they talk about being led by the Spirit. And uh, so I think the best best decisions come moment by moment with every act of life 
when you choose to believe God, to obey God, and to be willing to suffer for his namesake. And, and you know, I think the most regrettable would be not to be obedient, not to obey God and to make a choice. And I want to tell you something. I've been tempted. You know, when I was younger, I, I had a huge temptation. If I had followed that temptation, I would have disqualified myself and I would have missed all the blessings. I cannot believe that here I am, 84, and I'll be in seven or eight countries this year, teaching the Word of God four hours a day, you know, wow. and teaching. You feel so good. You have, like, God's given you all the strength. Yeah. Like, you're not even faced by it. That's incredible. So, so it's just, you know, I would have missed it. And, and to realize that I'm his workmanship in Christ Jesus, and I don't have to be like others. But I will tell you one of the things that, that caused me to grow when I first became a Christian. This guy that I started uh, dating, so I, I guess you'd call him dates. But anyway, you know, it was all centered around the Word of God. And he just uh, was, uh, he introduced me to biographies, you know, oh. and of, of different people, Isabel Kuhn and you know, different men of God that were Hudson Taylor, Robert Murray McShane, Andrew Murray, you know, all these different ones. And I learned from them. I learned from looking at their lives and seeing what they went through. And I will tell you, every one of them suffered. And the Christianity that we're hearing about today is a really cheap, cheap Christianity. Doesn't cost much. We forget. If I'm not a disciple, I'm not a Christian. Christianity and discipleship are synonymous with one mm-hmm. another, no matter what anyone does. You study the Word of God yourself and find out what He says in the Gospels. How do you relax? Do you have any yeah. vices, favorite Netflix shows? Well, um, I like to watch a good movie. You know, now. Yeah, yeah. What's you know, your when my movie? husband, I don't have a favorite one. When, when the night before my husband, uh, went to be with the Lord. He was 91. He was eight years older than me. He had gotten um, Alzheimer's, they said. I think it was a different kind of dementia. and uh, that. But he knew me, you know, and he knew uh, the children and, and that. But he was getting up out of this um, recliner that I got him that will stand you up, you know, so that you, because I couldn't get him up the next night. And um, I just wasn't strong enough. So I told him, I said, guess what we're doing tonight? We're going to do something we haven't done before. We're going to have a picnic in bed. So anyway, but the night before he had gotten up and he was saying goodnight to me and Costello, who were there for the evening. And uh, and I, there was some music on and I put my arms around him, you know, like to dance. And I said, I wish you had learned how to dance. I, I, I love to dance. And, uh, you know but we didn't dance. So there are things, you know, when I think about that and I think about a person who has his, who the governments or the police are threatening, if you don't do this, we're going to rape your wife. You know, if you don't do this, we're going to kill your kids and stuff like this. And I think, what is it about dancing? You know, I miss, you asked what I like to do. Yeah. So, and I, Oh, I have yeah. a son that's paralyzed on one side and I go over to his house about two or three times a week and we play rummy cubes and I enjoy that. But 
the main thing I just I just love being with the Lord. I love reading his book. I love studying. Uh, we've written precept upon precept inductive study courses, which are the Rolls Royce. Cost you more. It's the, you know, it's uh, a great and that. And so we uh, study the Bible about five hours a week doing that study. It's the most in-depth study we we have. We wrote that. I wrote that. And then we have a team now and we all work on it together because I'm suspicious of anything that comes from just one person, you know, without being checked and especially, and especially right. having men checked too. And so anyway, so we have that study. And then I was hearing about people complaining that they didn't have time to study the word of God and it was too long. And I can understand the pressure. So I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord laid on my heart 40 minute studies. And uh, so these 40 minute studies are uh, 40 minutes long. And <laughs> unless I get carried away, like the one on hell on life after death and, um, the leader reads the text. It's all Bible. It's no opinion and it's no stories in it. It's what the word of God says. And so they read the text like we have one on the power of knowing God. It's the most popular one, especially in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, the other countries where they're you know in danger for their lives. So it's the power of knowing God. And let me just stop here and say the greatest truth I know about God is the fact that he's sovereign, that he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Stay his hand, none can stop God, and none can say to him, what doest thou? He's God. And so everything that comes into my life or anybody's life is filtered through fingers of love. And sometimes it looks like a complete disaster, but it's not. God has it all in control. And so if I know that, then as Daniel says later on, I can stand firm and I can take action. So the greatest blessing I have and the thing I, I love to laugh, I love to be with Christians, I love to talk about the Lord, and uh, I love to teach his word. I love to watch the lights go on. So we started writing the 40-minute studies, and now God is using them, and we're in all the major refugee camps in the world, teaching, teaching a people the Word of God and watching them. There was one woman, and uh, she came to the class, and it was being, uh, it was on building a marriage that lasts. She was Muslim, and she asked the um, teacher, she said, uh, who was Oksana and her husband, Alexei, she said, uh, I have some, um, I would like to talk to you. I have some questions. And they said, okay, we can do it on the break. And she responded, no, my problems are too great. That will take longer than that. And so she said, will you come to my tent? So they went to her tent and she said, if I become, she's a Muslim now, if I become a Christian, well, my husband stopped beating me. The husband was told by his mother, beat her every night to keep her under submission. He had beat her so badly in the uh, refugee camp that they moved him to a remote part of the camp, you know, far away from her. They're huge. And removed him. And, and Alexei said, no, we can't promise that. 
And she said, well, if I receive Jesus, will God protect me from my people killing me? And he said, no, we can't promise that. And then he says, you know, Jesus said, if any man's going to come after me, let be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He that will lose his life will find it. He that will save his life will lose it. And she laughed and she said, you mean you're telling me that if I follow Jesus, I have to be willing to die? And he said, yes. And she said, um, she received Christ. Her husband was in another remote part of the camp. He went to the study. They don't have much to do in those camps. And a lot of crime and horrible stuff go on in those camps. And so he went to the class on marriage. He didn't know that she was in one. He went to the class and he sat there and he wailed. He, he hmm. was crying loudly, profusely, because he saw that he did not love, as Ephesians 5 says, as Jesus loved the, uh, the church and laid down his life and to nourish her and cherish her. And that, and he got saved. Now they're back wow. together. Wow. This is a 40-minute study. It's the first time they had ever heard the word of God because it's all Bible. And then they uh, they mark the text, and then they ask the questions, and they're on different topics. And the one that I was weeping about today because I was remembering when God laid it on my heart to write it for these people that are suffering, and it's free from the bondage of fear. You're told, you know, that you're going to be killed at any moment or you're going to be arrested or this is what they're going to do to you. I mean, these people are, are paying with their lives while we're sitting in the church saying, oh, you can continue in sin and be a member of the church. You cannot continue in sin and be a Christian. The Bible says, do not be deceived, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, effeminate, etc., etc., have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified in the name of Jesus. So Jesus doesn't come into our life to let us adapt our lives to sin. He comes in to take care of sin, and he does it through death. And it's the whole message of Romans 5, 6, 7. It's the whole message of Romans. <laughs> right up there. That's incredible, Kay. I mean, you're still going strong, and uh, uh, what a encouraging and convicting word. And I, as you know, I've, I don't know if you're aware, but I spent a lot of time with uh, refugees in the last few years, and I couldn't echo your. I mean, the story you're telling is truth. I've seen it myself, and uh, I've seen people come to the Lord and run after Him in in in, in incredible fashion, just like you're describing. I'm so moved by that story. Thank you for sharing that. How can we pray for you as we wind things down? By the way, I downloaded every book you just mentioned. I think you mentioned Silver, as Silver yeah. Refined. I'm going to give away a copy of that. And I downloaded The Power of Knowing God and Break, Breaking Free from Fear. Let's give out these three books to a listener. Just email me at lena at livingwithpower.org. We'll put in the email uh, in the uh, caption under the podcast. Uh, but Kay, uh, how can we pray, pray for you? Pray for me that I will really prevail in prayer that I will really be used of God to, to, to pray, you know, just in his power. And, and, uh, and that that's the thing I want the most. Amen. We will certainly do that. You are an incredible woman of God. Yeah, and, you. uh, 
Uh, I do not take lightly the time you've given us. I'm very, very grateful for your life and testimony. And um, I'm thankful for uh, Jan Silvius oh. for the peer pressure she put to have you on the show because I love her and I love you and you are a woman to model our lives well, after. You are Thank so you. sweet. But Jan Silvius is really something else. She was with us since the early days of the ministry. I know. She, we got a podcast with her. And if, if you're listening and you haven't heard it, that woman is a firecracker and God has used oh. her mightily as well and continues yeah. to do so. Uh, I've heard a lot of your story from her, and uh, I just really appreciate the details you've given us today. Uh, I love you, Kay Arthur, and I want to thank you for Lena, being with I us. love you, and I want you to know from the first time I met you, I just admired you in the Lord. And thank you for your example, and thank you for what you're doing, and may God use this podcast. And I wish I could give everybody out there that's listening to this a big hug and tell you that make the Word of God your life know what it is to live. Amen. Hey, on that note, uh, I'll let you guys go. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, This episode is one for the ages, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you've got comments, prayer requests, if you want to know about Jesus, lena at livingwithpower.org. Otherwise, check into livingwithpower.org. Plenty of resources, plenty of free Bible studies for you to uh, spend the days uh, focusing on, but just grab the Word of God and get into it. You don't need anybody to teach you. The Spirit of God's got it. There, just do it. Do what Kay said. Go back and listen. Love you guys. Catch you again next time.